The following message, Our Salvation is Part of God's Plan, was based on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1-10. through 10. This message was delivered to the adult Bible class of Emmanuel Reformed Baptist Church of SeaTac, Washington, on Sunday, October 16, 2022, by Pastor Creston Thomas of Christ the Redeemer Church of Pine Bluff, Arkansas. With that being said, I think we have a few minutes left, and... What I want to do, I'm going to kind of give you guys what I want to hope to do today is I want to walk through Ephesians um, 2 and 3 today. And so um, Sunday school time, or I don't know if you guys call it study time, what we're just doing right now. Since we have about 15 minutes left, I'm just going to jump right into Ephesians 2. And the, the AM worship, um, we'll jump right into continuing in Ephesians 2 and hopefully finish there. In the evening, we'll try to get into Ephesians 3. So, um, if you have a copy of God's Word, um, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. If you can join me in Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And I'll just read, for the sake of time, I'll read the first three verses, and we'll just jump right into the text. In you, he made alive who are dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Let me pray for us. And I'm going to jump right into it. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, we were dead in our trespasses, Lord. We wasn't seeking you, Lord. But, Lord, you are the one. You are the one that has quickened us to life. We thank you for that gift. So help us this day, Lord, store it that well, that, Lord, we have been given something that we don't deserve. So, Lord, let us be faithful, Lord, with your word. So this day, Lord, we ask you to encourage us, Lord, as we walk through Ephesians, Lord, that you build us up. That we be grateful people, thankful people, Lord. And that the world may see it. And the world, Lord, may see it and turn in repentance, Lord. So help us, Lord. Help me this day, Lord. I am weak. I need your strength. Go before me, Lord. Let your spirit guide me, Lord. Bless us this day. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, I sent out some pictures to our family and friends about our new baby. And I shared with them that mommy's doing fine, baby's doing fine. And these friends were so happy for our new baby to be here and to be born at our home. They say, oh, she's so beautiful and, oh, she's so adorable, right? And all these testaments just start coming in about the new baby. And they knew about the plan that the baby was going to be born at home. So for them, they were so excited for us. So Trinity was born at home and... Trinity was born home with no midwife at home. We were planning for a midwife. The midwife wasn't there. When I started to share more about detail about the home birth, people were really intrigued about what happened. 
They knew our plan was to have a birth at home, but they didn't understand the steps. So for them, they said, okay, they're going to have a home birth. But all the things that went into the home birth for them was unknown for them. All the details and things that took place dealing with the home birth was clueless for them. So they knew the plan was to give birth at home, a baby, but they didn't understand all the steps that brought about the fulfillment of that plan. I think this is very similar to our test today. That, that God plan of saving people and bringing in his new kingdom is everywhere throughout the Old Testament and New Testament that God is coming. He's going to bring a new kingdom, right? It's all over scriptures. But how would this plan is going to be unfolded, right? People were asking questions along the way, like, when is the Messiah going to come? So how would this plan unfold as baby Trinity? Unfolding the plan of this birth of a baby, they didn't understand all the details of it. They didn't understand that the midwife, again, didn't make it on time. They didn't understand those things. I think the same way as the church, right? A lot of times we know God's plan that he's going to keep us. He won't leave us or forsake us. But what does that look like on a daily day basis going to work? Coworkers are steady nagging at us, right? Coworkers are doing things that are provoking us. What's doing right now in marriage? It's not as beautiful that it hasn't been described to be by others. So what do we do when... The plan has been given to us that God is going to bring about a new people, a people that are reconciled to himself. But what happened when we don't see how this plan is going to be unfolding our lives? I think what happens a lot of times, we, we respond in disparity. We respond in confusion. We respond in ungratefulness. Not only us, I think the Ephesians church as well is also capable of doing the same thing as well. So what is Paul doing? Paul is, is going to share with us in this letter what does it mean to encourage them? What does it mean for them to be reminded that regardless of not understanding how everything is going to be unfolded before you, that we can trust the Lord? He's faithful when everything in the world is not trustworthy. The Lord is trustworthy. So we see this in three points. We see it in we're a part of God's plans in 1A. The second thing we see, the affections of God's plan in 1B through 7. And the last thing we see, we boast in God for his plan. And if I can kind of sum up all this, I would say our salvation is part of God's plan. Our salvation is part of God's plan. We even see this right here with the first part of this. We are part of God's plan in 1A. And you, he made alive. I think the King James said, you have, he has quickened. I think we can easily skip over the conjunction end. And it, the word end helps us stay connected to what was said prior. More Lord Jones encourages us to remember that the Bible was not divided into numbers and chapters. That you should be able to read this letter to the Ephesus or to the Ephesian church from chapter 1. You should be able to read it through. So Anne points us back to chapter 1. 
So Ian takes us back to chapter 1. Paul writes this letter to the Ephesian church. He starts off this letter with his credentials. How he was called to be an apostle by the Lord. The Ephesian church, the Ephesian church listened to this letter. This letter is not from just anybody. This letter is from a man that has been called from by the Lord. So Paul gives us, first of all, some authority here that the Lord has given to him in writing this letter. So it's written by Apostle of God. So this is not a general letter written. This is a letter that was written particularly to the church of God. So you should pay close attention to. So he talks about here in chapter 1. He goes on and gives them doctrine. He talks about the spiritual blessings in heaven in verse 3 in chapter 1. Verse 4 in chapter 1. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. God's people have been predestined and adopted in 5. Verse 6. For the praise of the glory of his grace. Verse 7. We have redemption and forgiveness. And the purpose of all of these things together is in one and all things in Christ. In verse 10. So Paul defines God's plan is for his glory to be seen in heaven and earth through the people of God. So Paul from verses 15 and 23 is thankful that this church is reminded or reminds him of God's fulfillment of his plan and seeing here in the Ephesian church. So Paul is like, I see what God is doing. God's, I mean, Paul is like, I see what is happening in this Ephesian church. God is seeing what's happening in this Ephesian church. But do you see what is happening in the Ephesian church? Again, Paul is writing to them and said, hey, I see, I'm thankful for you. I see what is happening. I am thankful that the gospel is proclaiming this Ephesian church. Even the Lord has seized what's happening in this Ephesian church. But do you see it? Are you seeing what the Lord is doing in this Ephesian church? So I think this whole letter is, is Paul has reminded them for them to, for their eyes to be open, for them to see what God is doing. Because what is at stake? What is at stake here? What's at stake is that for them to forget what's been given to them. You can know doctrine. We can know all the different things of scriptures. But if we are not meditating on them, or those things are not digested in, and we're not clinging to those things, a lot of times we can be praying, we can be saying things, and our hearts are not truly devoted to the Lord. So Paul is writing this letter for them to be encouraged, for them to be encouraged what God is doing. For a second time, I'm going to jump down to the second part of this we see is that the fashion of God's plan. The fashion of God's plan. We see in 1B to 7, it says, You who were dead in trespass and sin, and which once walked according to the course of this world. Paul starts with letting the Ephesian church know in the past you were dead in the trespass and sin. Again, Paul is encouraging them to see just how far God went to bring about the plan of salvation. And let me make a side note. I have used this verse so many times in evangelism that you're dead in sins. Like, you've been to a funeral, right? You never saw a dead person get up. When a person is dead, they're dead, right? So you cannot save yourself by being dead. 
And so I have used this for evangelism so many times, which we still can use it for evangelism. I think Paul is actually encouraging also in another way in this text. I believe this text is most rooted in God's plan being fulfilled through the establishment of the church. Part of this is bringing dead people to life. God is encouraging to churches for a reminder that, hey, the plan that I shared with you in Ephesians 1, what God has done, that he has predestined and adopted, you are a witness of that. You are a witness. You were dead in your trespasses. So Paul is encouraging them, though, is that Ephesians 1, that those that were predestined, that was chosen, those that are inherited, right, are heirs of God, that's you. That's you. Cherish that. And that's what he's getting at with being dead in trespasses, that for you were dead, you couldn't save yourself. But guess what? God has saved you. That was you. Our God plan is bringing, coming into fruition right now before us. Because look at yourself. You are saved. So God's plan is coming about. Let me see here. Continue here. We see the trespasses deal with the false stepping, sinning, missing the mark. But together at this intentional nature of human nature is the intention of making decisions to understand the Lord. Because this is what they're dead to. A dead person's condition doesn't change on their own, by, them, by, by their own words. So this is their identity. They were okay, and we were okay to dishonor the Lord. And this dishonoring was constant rebellion against God. We know this from verse 2. You walk in, the, in this identity of trespasses or sin. That your nature consisted of this identity. In other words, the Ephesians church, you were people that once enjoyed doing things that is contrary to the standards of God. God created us to see his glory, to mirror him. That God existed in eternity past, that God doesn't need us. God has always existed. He doesn't need us. He was fine in of himself, Right? The Father, Son, and the Spirit was fine. But God in His goodness and His mercy, God was so kind for allow creation to see what's already existed to show you the goodness of the Lord. But mankind have turned. Instead of seeing God's glory, mankind wants to see their own glory. And mankind sinned against the Lord. Ephesians church, this was you. Emmanuel, this was you. This was us. But look what God has done. God has brought dead people to life. How do we know this? But notice in our text, in verse 4, it tells us, but God. But God. I think but, but God is one of the most profound words um, in scriptures when it tells us, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy, which here, as we get ready to hear here in, in, a, in a few moments, while we were dead in our sins, enjoying the things of this world, headed to destruction, but God, this conjunction but changes everything. You was dead in your trespasses. You wasn't seeking out to me. You guys were even Gentiles. But God, again, Paul's goal is in his text in Ephesians church to see, for them to see what God sees in them. That God has saved them. And Paul has seen these things himself. 
So after Paul explained how they wasn't desiring God, now Paul revealed to them now how in the world they are designed. Now Paul revealed to them now how in the world they are designed, desiring God now, not the things of this world. And we see this right here in how it translates right here on the but God phrase. It's because of but God being rich in mercy. In the past, our being was sinful. But now a sinful being is met with the God's mercy. So we see two Greek participles working out here. They was walking in the things of this world, right? That's a participle. That was a life for them. But now we see it, that, that participle of walking in the things of Satan, Satan earlier, is met now with, but God being merciful. This being is another participle now. So being with Satan, right, doing the things of this world, right, was a participle. How they were living this out. But now things have changed now that now God been, made, God been rich in mercy. This lets us know that God's mercy comes in abundance. God's mercy is so much better than the things of the flesh from Satan. So you have the things, of the things that Satan gives, right, encourages, right, to walk in the things of the flesh. But God gives us rich mercy. See the difference here. And so Paul is trying to compel them to see that God's mercy is so much greater than the things that Satan offered to you. Remember this. Not just mercy. He used this word in Greek that comes off like rich, like so much mercy. Mercy is not just giving what we deserve. Like, ultimately, like you really don't get what you deserve. You really don't get it. You get grace. God brought us alive when we were sinners. We were dead, and God brought us to life. Dead people, can't, again, can't save themselves, but God's grace can. God's grace can. We get this unmerited favor. This favor saves us. We didn't earn it. It was a gift of the Lord by His grace. This is the plan of salvation, that you are testimony, that you even know in your life the things that you enjoy in this world. And all of us in this room, think about your past. The things we enjoyed and things you were enslaved to. But it was a but God, right? It was a but God that brought you from death to life for you to see that. And God is saying this, and his text is for the Ephesian, is that do you see what God has done? We've been raised up and sit in high places with Christ. God sees us as holy, his body. We're a spiritual body that is perfect and will always be with Christ. We have a future that is consistent of God immeasurable riches of his grace. Even though the world is failing and getting worse, but it doesn't get worse for God's people. What I mean doesn't get worse is that he know, we know that he goes to prepare a place for us. We know that he made things right in of himself. And so for us in this world, things are depleting around us. Disparity is around us. But we know the Lord is bringing about a, a beautiful people of God in the midst of so much brokenness. For us as believers, we are anticipating on that glorious day that he wipe away every tears from our eyes. That we be before him forevermore. So we are anticipating that. So things might get worse in this world, but family, we have hope. So as we end here this morning, as I stop here, is that Ephesian church, Paul is getting at, is... God has given you this hope. Walk in this hope. Walk in this hope. Walk in these truths. Family, 
Let that be a reminder for us this morning. God has given us the hope. God has given us the hope. He's been gracious towards us. We have heard the many amazing messages that have come out of this pulpit, but God has given us his grace through his word. Family, let us be a people that cherish that. Let it just not be head knowledge, but let it transform the life of the believer that we are the most gracious people that walk this earth. Let that be us here. Let me pray for us. I got a couple people blinked at me. I think we're over time. Let me pray for us and um, have a few moments of fellowship. Our Father God is in heaven, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace that you have given towards us. Let us remember. Let us steward it well. Let us walk in the spirit, Lord, not in the things of this flesh, I mean the things of this world. Help us, Lord. Build us up. And let us, Lord, our lives, Lord, be a testimony to the world what God has done in us. Thank you, Lord, for all your goodness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.